This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Stuck at home with nothing to read and unable to browse the bookstore? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. You can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 76, and we're recording on Tuesday, April 21st. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. How are you doing? Oh, I'm upright and sucking air, as I tell people. <laughs> which, oh. <laughs> I've never heard someone say that before. <laughs> I have heard people in my family say that before. I don't know if they can get full credit, but that's where I picked it up. Um, my grandparents also used to say six feet above ground. So, or any day you spend six feet above ground is a good day. Hey, there's some truth in that. Yes, there very much is. So, how are you doing? I'm okay. I have a little bit of a cold, so apologize in advance, or apologies in advance, I should say, uh, in case I sound a little bit more like scratchy than usual. I feel like I sound scratchy, but I don't know if it's coming across that way. I, I, <laughs> nothing has any meaning anymore. You sound fine, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, I, I think it's very mean though for people to not feel well at this point in time in history. It's like with all the other stuff going on, it's like. With COVID going around, can we, you know, just put a temporary hold on allergies and colds and all that other stuff? And like, the thing is, is like, I, I will very honestly admit that when I started feeling a little bit sick, it's like anxiety inducing because you are like so nervous about what you could potentially have. But I'm like 90% sure this is just a cold. I won't get into the details of my symptoms because that's kind of gross, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it's just a cold. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's with people not going anywhere. It's like, how the heck are we catching? We still catching stuff. I do go on walks. And I'm pretty sure it's because of that. Because like our temperature here in Chicago has been like pretty decent. But like, it's been real windy for the past couple of days. So I'm pretty sure it's from that. Yeah, my um, the when we've had nice weather, I've convinced Blaine to open the windows a little bit. We both have we both have allergies, and we're afraid the cats are going to be stupid and like claw their way out through the the screen over the window. So we don't oh open gosh. the windows very much. But yeah, no this this time of year is always when I get kind of sniffly and sneezy, and so I'm yeah. Whenever I sneeze, there's like the, that moment of like, oh dear. Yeah, <laughs> but honestly. yeah, no. If I with me, I any any symptoms on my part, I know are allergies. But yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about books. Will that make you feel better? <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Okay. Um, and I will get started with our first sponsor, and that is the audiobook edition of Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier. And I will admit upfront that this is a book that I one hundred percent have had my eye on. So all it takes to unravel a life is one little secret. 
Marin had the perfect life. Married to her college sweetheart, she owns a chain of upscale hair salons, and Derek runs his own company. They admire in their community and are a loving family until their world falls apart the day their son Sebastian is taken. A year later, Marin is a shadow of herself. The FBI search has gone cold, the publicity has faded, and she and her husband rarely speak. She hires a PI to pick up where the police left off, but instead of finding Sebastian, she learns that Derek is having an affair with a younger woman. This discovery sparks Marin back to life. She's lost her son. She's not about to lose her husband, too. Kenzie is an enemy with a base, which means this is a problem Marin can fix permanently. Overwhelmed by tragedy, a woman desperately tries to save her marriage in this new book by award-winning author Jennifer Hiller, um, and this is a riveting audiobook as well. It's read by Kristen Potter. Um, Riley Sager has called this book unflinching and unforgettable, everything you want in a thriller, and this is an audiobook that you'll probably want to listen to with the lights on. Um, so I know that personally, I've been listening to a lot more audiobooks lately, which seems kind of counterintuitive, but it's one, because I'm going on a lot of walks and I need something to listen to while walking. But two, sometimes, you know, the days just feel too difficult to hold a physical book in your hands. And so I feel like I'm turning to audiobooks a lot. And again, like I said at the top, this is a book I've had my eye on. Um, So if you are looking for a good domestic thriller to pick up, then you can check out Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier. And we thank them so much for sponsoring this episode. You know, I have been familiar with that book, but I did not know the actual plot synopsis until you read it. And I'm like, oh, that's a little different. So now it's on my list, too. Yeah, it's not like, I mean, I'm sure it does have a lot of like the domestic thriller vibes that you're looking for. But that's like a interesting twist to like sort of the plot of a domestic thriller. So I definitely I legitimately had that in my uh, new releases that I was going to do in later in the episode. And then I saw it was our sponsor. So yeah, I, I legitimately am excited to check this one out. Awesome. All right. Well, welcome. And welcome back to all of our new listeners and longtime listeners. Once again, thank you all for joining us every two weeks as, our, as we muddle our way through this crazy world that we live in now. If you are new to the show, welcome. We talk about mysteries and suspense and true crime and anything and everything in between. If it falls under that umbrella, it's fair game for us. And this is the part of the episode where we open it up to our listeners. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, or whether that's news items that we've been talking about or news items that we might have missed, whether it's a subgenre that you have wanted to explore a little bit more but haven't had an opportunity to. Um, We've done episodes based on requests for reading recommendations. We've done all kinds of stuff. Um, And a lot of the ideas have come from our lovely listeners. So if you have an idea that you would like to pass along, or even if you don't have an idea, just want to say hi, we like that too. We will have our contact information at the end of the episode, Um, but we always like to put this out at the beginning just to remind everyone, get your, you know, get get those brains pumping, see see if uh, there's anything that you think that would be interesting to talk about, because we want to make sure that what we talk about is interesting to all of you, because you're the ones listening to us. We're just talking. (laughs) Anyway, let's jump in with our news items over the last couple of weeks. Um, Kind of a mixed bag here. There's not a whole, I mean... Like I said, we're living in kind of bizarro world right now, so everything's just kind of happening. 
But a few items, too, that we wanted to make note of. First off, there is a book that's going to be coming out next year in 2021. It was just sold at the beginning of this year. It's called The Other Black Girl by Zakia Delilah Harris. And this book has been described as a mix of like dark humor, horror, and suspense. And it's about a black woman working in the publishing world. And it's gotten comparisons to Get Out, which for me, that that now is like the comparison. As soon as you mention Get Out, I'm like, all right, sign me up. I'm interested in this. Well, Hulu has already snapped up the rights to this book, which, like I said, doesn't even come out for another year at least. And they've already, um, they have an adaptation in the works. So in case you've been hearing about this book or maybe have had it on your radar or something like, oh yeah, people have kind of been talking about that. Put this book on your radar because this sounds like this book is going to be big. So obviously there's not a ton of information, just that Hulu's already picked it up, but we definitely wanted to highlight that just to, like I said, to put it on everyone's radars. And then also for other things to put on your radars coming out in 2021, Fellow book writer Tears of Price has an upcoming Jane Austen murder mystery series for teens that is coming out in 2021. So yay, Tears Um, The first book is called Pride and Premeditation. And she has uh, two other books in the series already planned out. The second one is called Sense and Second Degree Murder. And then the third one is called Manslaughter Park. And so those are going to be coming out in consecutive years. So make sure to keep an eye on that for next year. But yeah, as soon as I read Jane Austen Murder Mystery Series for Teens, I'm like, well, that's just like the perfect storm of awesomeness. And so many people, I think, are going to be interested in this. So yay, tears. Oh, we're really excited. Yeah, even if she wasn't the one who was putting out the book, I was like, over the moon at that sort of like combination of a pitch. I was like, that's literally everything I love in the world. (laughs) I mean, not literally everything, obviously. But you know, I'm very excited to read these books. (laughs) All right. uh, In some more sort of adaptation related news, Netflix has picked up uh, Millie Bobby Brown's Enola Holmes. Um, So this sort of adaptation is basically a Sherlock Holmes-based movie um, with the movie is supposed to be centered on Sherlock Holmes's teen sister. Um, So Millie Bobby Brown is obviously best well known for starring in Stranger Things. And so uh, this is actually an adaptation of a book that won an Edgar Award um, by Nancy Springer. And the picture is being directed by Harry Bradbeer, who was also a director in Fleabag. Um, so there's a lot of like really big names um, on this list. Uh, the book series uh, begins with The Case of Missing Marquez, which came out back in 2006. And there's six books in the series total. Um, so definitely a fun little adaptation to keep our eyes out for in the future. Also, just wanted to quickly mention that the Los Angeles Times Book Prize winners were announced uh, earlier this month. This year was the 40th annual Los Angeles Times Book Prize Awards. And obviously, since we can't have like official award ceremonies or anything like that, they announced them all on the 
uh, Los Angeles Times Twitter feed. And then I think all of the winners shared like a video, like an acceptance speech video on Twitter as well. And they've like compiled all of the videos onto the Los Angeles Times YouTube page. So there'll be a link obviously in the show notes to the Los Angeles Times article that has all the winners. But definitely wanted to mention that the Mystery Thriller Award this year went to Steph Cha for Your House Will Pay, which is very exciting because I love that book. So yes, that happened. And if you want to see her acceptance speech, it's up online. And I I think that's kind of just like a really fun way to be able to celebrate these awards without being able to celebrate in person. And then finally, um, the new Perry Mason trailer has just dropped. In case you weren't aware, there's a new Perry Mason adaptation coming out. I don't think a lot of people know, but this was originally written as a book series or like Perry Mason was a detective series uh, written by Earl Stanley Gardner and then was eventually adapted into like TV shows and movies and things like that. So there's a new adaptation coming to HBO starring Matthew Rice or Reese. Um, and uh, it looks really good. Like I don't have HBO, but I was watching this and I was like, maybe I should get HBO. <laughs> so yeah, the show is supposed to uh, come out, I believe, later this year. It also has John Lithgow and Tatiana Maslany in sort of uh supporting roles and things like that. So yeah, this looks really, really good. So I highly recommend uh, clicking the link in our show notes or just looking it up on YouTube, check out the trailer, but it looks really interesting. I don't know anything about Perry Mason, really, um, other than he is a lawyer and I think solves crimes. <laughs> so uh, I never watched like the original series or any of the original series. There's actually been, as I looked it up, um, multiple adaptations of Perry Mason. So yeah, I've never seen any of them, but this one looks really, really interesting. Yeah, I I only know the name Perry Mason just from osmosis and just kind of being alive in the world and just like, ah, that's a thing. Um, but good to know that it looks good. And I was going to say, you can do what Blaine and I do with uh, HBO. We sign up for HBO, watch the series, and then we cancel our subscription. <laughs> There you go. That's also an option. Another thing I like to do is just wait because we do have cable at my house. It's something, you know, like once or twice a year, they'll do an HBO free weekend. <laughs> <laughs> then you just get it all in in one go. Yeah, there you go. All right. So before we jump into the heart of the episode, I have our second sponsor, which is the organization Sisters in Crime and their Eleanor Taylor Bland Crime Fiction Writers of Color Award. So Sisters in Crime is accepting applications for its seventh annual Eleanor Taylor Bland Crime Fiction Writers of Color Award, which awards a $2,000 grant to an emerging writer of color in any genre of crime fiction that includes YA and middle grade authors as well. So it's intended for writers beginning their crime writing career and can be used to support career development activities like writing workshops and seminars and conferences and retreats. And obviously, we're not able to do that stuff right now. But hopefully down the road, this, the, those are things that will be able to happen again. So the award honors the late Eleanor Taylor Bland, who we have mentioned a few times on the show. She was a pioneering African-American crime fiction author. Um, and so this award is being offered in her memory. Candidates have until June 8th of this year to apply, and the winner will be announced by July 15th. And just as a general note, Sisters in Crime 
is comprised of 4,200 members, more than 60 chapters worldwide, and they have a longtime mission to expand inclusiveness in crime fiction publishing and actively support the development of work by authors whose voices are really underrepresented in the industry. So for more information about the award and the organization in general, you can visit sistersincrime.org slash ETB. And we thank them very much for sponsoring the episode. Definitely something to keep an eye on too, because it'll be interesting to see sort of what comes out of those sort of grants and things like that and the writers who are able to take advantage of that. So definitely apply. Absolutely. All right. Well, for this episode, since with libraries and bookstores closed, we're a little limited on what, you know, what books we can we have access to at the moment. So we decided to go easy on ourselves and pick the oldest books on our TBRs and read those for this episode. So Rincey, what did you pick? I picked The Hangman's Daughter by I'm probably going to butcher this and I apologize in advance, Oliver Potch. And this was translated by Lee Chandian. And so this was a historical fiction mystery book. That's actually the first in a series of books um, that was translated from German back in 2010, I believe it is. And I had heard like sort of like ruminations of this book. Like I've heard people talk about this book for a while. And then I was at like a used bookstore years ago. I'm very lucky in that I'm pretty good about like at least going through my TBR and getting rid of the really old books. So this one's probably been sitting on my TBR for maybe two to three years, which (laughs) depending on, yeah. (laughs) I had a feeling that was going to be your reaction, Katie. (laughs) No, I'm like like two to three years. That's not bad. Yeah, no, I'm aware. (laughs) So yes, uh, yeah, this is probably one of the oldest books on my TBR. I had a hard time kind of figuring out which one was actually the oldest book. But yeah, this is pretty much up there. So like I said, this is a historical fiction mystery book. And it is set in the mid 1600s in a Bavarian sort of village. You're following a couple of different people. But like the main person is this hangman named Jacob Cusel, who comes from like a line of hangmen, hangmen, I suppose is the correct term. Like it's a descent, like their entire family has had a hangman in the family for generations. And so he's the latest one in this village. And what the story starts off with this young boy being found in a river. Uh, and he's basically like, he's found drowned and he's found with a mark on his body that looks like a witch's mark. And so they believe that there is a witch in the village and they suspect that it's a local midwife named Martha. However, Jacob, the hangman, um, he is also in charge of not just like doing the hangings, but also torturing people in order to extract a confession from them. And But he believes that he doesn't believe that the midwife is a witch and he thinks that there's something else going on here. And so he basically tries to delay all of the torture in order to figure out what exactly is going on. And as the story progresses, a couple more kids go missing and, you know, all of these things are happening in the town. But there's also like all of this pressure in order to get the witch, so to speak, um, and to just like hang her and get done with this and move on with their lives and stuff like that. But he, along with uh, the physician, the town physician's son, who is happens to be in love with the hangman's daughter, 
hence the title, um, they together start to look into this and trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And another sort of like aspect of this whole thing is that people who have sort of suspected that there's something else going on, keep saying that there is this man who they keep calling the devil um, in this town. And they call him the devil because his hand looks like it's just all bones, like he doesn't have a normal hand anymore. It's only a hand made of bones. And so, yeah, this is meant to be sort of like a historical fiction mystery book set during this time when, you know, witches and witch hunting were still a thing. And yeah, I really enjoyed this book. I'm really glad I finally picked it up. There's a lot of like really interesting stuff going on here. One of them is the fact that the author himself comes from a line of hangmen. Uh, so he actually talks about this or writes about it a little bit at the end of the book where until or like I think it was through the 17th century possibly or maybe until the 17th century his family was a family of hangmen and so like all of the stuff that he talks about in there is stuff that he's like kind of learned about in modern day about his family and the things that they would do and the roles that they would play within the town and stuff like that so like there's a lot of that sort of historical stuff woven into the story um there's also a lot of really interesting stuff in terms of like the witchcraft and the witch hunting and the uh, lack of logic that comes with all of that sort of stuff. And it's kind of interesting to see just sort of like how all of the pieces get moved around. It's a story that's like full of, I don't want to say twists because I wouldn't say that they're twists, but you can see sort of like all of these like puzzle pieces sort of being placed together um, in order to lay out this mystery and there's like a lot of different moving parts that come into play and a couple of different red herrings even and things like that that happen throughout the story for the characters themselves as well as you the reader and yeah I just really enjoyed it a lot like I love a good historical fiction book that actually teaches you something about history and like puts you in a specific time period and helps you understand things like the witchcraft mania that happened. Um, This isn't said sort of at the peak of witchcraft mania. They like refer to like a generation ago or like maybe like a decade ago or something along those lines when witchcraft mania was at its height and they were killing a lot of the women in the village because Again, they thought they were all witches. Um, And so they talk about that as a way to like slow things down because they're basically like, we don't want that to happen again. We don't want the women in our families and things like that to be accused of being witches and being hung and things like that. So there's that sort of discussion as well. Um, And just like the way women are treated in general during these times is just really, really interesting. I think that Again, if you're someone who like enjoys historical fiction that teaches you something, this is definitely really interesting. And I really like the fact that it's also like a witch hunting story or like that sort of idea that's not set in the United States because that's legitimately my only exposure to it. Um, I only know about like the Salem witch trials and stuff like that. I've never thought even thought about like witchcraft and witch hunting happening outside of the United States. I don't know why, but I just never thought about it before. But I was like, oh, it must have happened other places too. Um, And so this was like really, I don't want to say fun, but like it was really interesting to be able to read about that and to learn about that a little bit more. And yeah, this is the first in a series. So I'm kind of intrigued to pick up more books in this series just to kind of see what else uh, the author does with these characters. Because the way it works is that you're following the hangman and he's like, 
the hangman like knows more than like the doctors in terms of like medical things. So while he's looking at bodies, he's able to figure out things about where they've been or what they've been doing or what might be helpful um, and stuff like that. So I found it to be really, really interesting. And I'm definitely intrigued enough to want to keep going with this book. Um, and it was also kind of nice to just read something not set in the United States, which I like to do every now and then. Um, so again, that's called The Hangman's Daughter by Oliver Potsitz and translated by Lee Chadenane. Oh my gosh, that sounds so interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also a book that was like originally published through like Amazon's publishing house and then was eventually like physically published because it was getting so much popularity. But yeah, I thought it was like a really interesting, it's like a slower read, but it's definitely a really like interesting read for me as someone who like is a nerd and likes learning about history. <laughs> well, I the I'm not always a his, historical fiction fan, but the type of historical fiction books that I have enjoyed are ones where it's about either a place or a time period that I know nothing about. Right. Um and so and for me also a couple of other things that will catch my attention is if it talks about like historical like witch trials and, and witchcraft stuff and if it talks about like how women were treated and like the perception of women at the time so those are two th those are like two of my bells right there that you just rung so <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so i'm definitely gonna add that one to my list so as you may have guessed from my laugh when you said it had been on your shelf for two to three years Mine has, well, I went back through my Goodreads TBR, because I've had my Goodreads for a long time, and I went back to the books in, like, the ones that I first added when I picked, when I created my account, and I've pulled, and I've, I've weeded through my Goodreads list a bunch of times, but one of the earliest books on the list that, f that fit in the mystery, suspense, true crime genre and that I actually had easy access to um, was The Monster of Florence by Douglas Preston and Mario Spazi, which is true crime. Um, this has probably, well, let's see, I think Blaine's had it for about as long as we've been together. So I'd say that we've had a copy of this book at least probably six or seven years in the house. And I had it on my list, I think, a few years before that. So we're close to a decade, I think. Um, this book was written, the first edition was written in 2008. And then there was a new afterword that was added in 2009. So it's over, it's over a decade old at this point. Um, but yeah, so it is true crime. And it talks about the serial killer in Florence that was dubbed the monster of Florence, um, who killed in the mainly in the uh from like the late 60s into the mid 80s and this serial killer um killed 14 people the primarily young couples who um apparently parking and engaging in amorous activities is like a national pastime in Italy <laughs> um so it was surmised that this killer would hide out and watch these couples and then ultimately pull out a gun and kill them and and then he would mutilate the female bodies in ways that I will not go into detail but it's pretty gruesome and there're a series of crimes that we that at the time were not well known outside of Italy so this the book ended up being written because Douglas Preston who 
Most of you probably recognize the name. He writes books with Lincoln Child. They wrote um, the book Relic, which I read a few years ago, which is so good. The, and they have the um, Agent uh, Pendergrass series that's been going on for years. Um, Douglas Preston, he is a very, very acclaimed thriller author. And so he moved to Florence with his family in order to research a book that he, a fictional book that he was writing um, that was supposed to take place in Florence. And while he was there, he became friends with the journalist Mario Spezzi, um, who co-wrote the book. And Mario told him the story of the monster of Florence because he was the one who documented a lot of what happened in the newspapers. And he worked really closely with the investigations as they happened. So the first part of the book is basically a chronicle of when the murder started, what happened, the investigations, the kind of national panic that happened, and how the case was handled or mishandled or not handled or whatever the case may be. Like I said, this went on for this went on for years, kind of on and off, and no one knew who was doing it. There were all kinds of theories. They brought in a ton of people. Um, they arrested a bunch of people in connection with these crimes, and none of them ended up being, you know, they were proven to not have committed the crimes. And so the trail kind of, you know, the the killing stopped, I think, in like 85. But the investigation still continued into the into the 90s. And then in the mid 90s, the there were a couple of investigators that were that were brought on. And they developed these bonkers theories about it was all tied to satanic cults. And there was all of this black magic and devil worship, and they came up with such ludicrous theories without any kind of evidence, but it was all treated as fact because they said, ah, this must be the case. And there's there's an interesting discussion in the book about how for people who live in Italy, like how one of the, the ways that Italians conduct themselves is that you know it's very important for them to be able to save face like they don't like in in especially for people in positions of power they don't want to admit that they were wrong they don't want to admit that they made a mistake and so they will kind of there's this tendency to double down and just really you know make you know if they say it's true then it must be true and there's a tendency for people to not want to believe that they have been duped or that they believed someone who ended up not being correct. So there's a tendency for people to kind of feel like they have to agree with them because otherwise they, you know, they will be the people who didn't, weren't able to see through the other person's cunningness. And there's so many different layers going on here. But the second part of the book, and this isn't really giving anything away, it's it's mentioned on the on the synopsis on the back of the book. The second part of the book is that this branch of the investigation with the satanic cult theories and stuff like that became so, so ridiculous that both Douglas Preston and Mario Spazi ended up being basically indicted and in the case of Mario Spazi arrested in conjunction with the investigation. Like they were, you know, for obstructing justice or withholding information or in the case, you know, these people believed that Mario Spazi was the monster of Florence. And it was just like the second part of the book like the first part is like okay that's your standard true crime serial killer investigation all this stuff the second part of the book 
it was all about how the cases were reported, investigated, and how these these ridiculous cases were built, you know, surrounding these theories. And it was infuriating, like the it was to to read about the investigations being so badly bungled. I tore through this book. Um, and I know I've said over the last few episodes, I've been having some trouble with a with books to being able to read for a long period of period of time, staying interested, um, staying focused. This book, like I, I was reading big chunks of it in one in one sitting, like, and so this is definitely a page turner. But the second half of the book just made me so angry <laughs> with how badly and how and like how corrupt these people in positions of power in the judicial system, you know, how how corrupt and how and how badly they they handled everything and it was it was just so it was it was raising like a very very emotional response in me. That being said, the book is fascinating. If you're looking for a true crime book where the killer is found and justice is served, this isn't your book. There are a lot of loose ends. It's probably not a spoiler to say that they still do not know exactly who the monster is, but the authors do lay out a fairly convincing theory of who they think it was and how this whole nonsense kind of got kicked off when they talked to the person who they believed was the monster of Florence. Um, and obviously I won't say who that is. That's, that's, um, that's kind of one of the surprises of the book, but it's written like a thriller. Like it is, if you like nonfiction that reads like fiction, holy banana pants, this book will do it. It is such a page turner. And it honestly makes me want to go, go back and read a bunch of Douglas Preston books because I really enjoyed the writing style. It was, you know, it was, very fast paced, but it was written, you know, it it wasn't simplified in any way. It was just such an engaging story. But yeah, this is one of those books where you're like, I can't, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction. And it's like, I cannot believe all of this happened. And like a lot of good true crime books, I think there are two stories going on. The one of the actual crimes, and then this underlying thing that's kind that's taking place at the same time. So this whole satanic, um, panic and the the mishandling of the investigations um so there's really like two different stories going on at the same time but yeah it was really interesting um and yeah like i said a lot of loose ends still at the end of the book but it was it was still a really satisfying read and i am i also am very glad that i finally got a chance to um pick this up so again the book is just called the monster of florence and it's by douglas preston and mario spacey oh my gosh that sounds so good <laughs> it's bonkers like blaine this is actually i think blaine's copy of the book maybe and i thought he had read it already and he hadn't and so he, like, when I finished it, he was like, was it good? Because now he's like, do I want to read it? Oh, and the other thing, too, is that if you enjoy Thomas Harris and you've read Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal, if you've read Hannibal um, or seen the movie or um, watched the TV show, you know that there are a lot, like, they directly mention the monster of Florence, um, where it's um, implied that Hannibal Lecter was the monster of Florence. But 
Thomas Harris was in Italy at this time, like during the trials and stuff and gathering information and stuff. So this also makes me want to go back and like rewatch Hannibal and reread the book Hannibal and all of this other stuff too. So if you're interested in that aspect, this would be a great companion book to read with it. Well, there you go. A few more <laughs> books that each of us want to right now <laughs> add to our TBRs. Um, so feel free to let us know what you guys have been reading while you've been self-quarantining and if you've been tackling your own physical TBRs or maybe your digital TBRs, uh, you know, books that have been sitting on your shelves for a while because I know that's been like a little mini project of mine. But uh, speaking of TBRs, I will now <laughs> move on to new releases where I will tell you about more books that you should add to yours. <laughs> So first up, I have Pretty Things by Janelle Brown, and this one should be out already as you are listening to this. This one sounds so fascinating to me, and it's also like one of those books that's been getting a decent amount of buzz, but I think like based on the synopsis, I completely understand why. So you are following this woman named Nina, who was brought, who bought into the idea that her fancy liberal arts degree would lead to a fulfilling career, uh, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of us can relate to. When that dream crashed, she turned to stealing from rich kids in LA alongside her wily Irish boyfriend, Lachlan. Nina learned from the best. Her mother was the original con artist hustling to give her daughter a decent childhood despite their wayward life. But when her mom gets sick, Nina puts everything on the line to help her, even if that means running her most audacious, dangerous scam yet. Vanessa is a privileged young heiress who wanted to make her mark in the world. Instead, she becomes an Instagram influencer, traveling the globe and receiving free clothes and products and posing for pictures in exotic locations. But behind the covetable facade is a life marked by tragedy. After a broken engagement, Vanessa retreats to her family's sprawling mountainous state, Stonehaven, a mansion of dark secrets, not just from Vanessa's past, but from that of a lost and troubled girl named Nina. Nina's, Vanessa's, and Lachlan's paths collide on the cold shores of Lake Tahoe, where their intertwined lives give way to a winter aspiration of desire and duplicity and revenge. Um, so this sounds super interesting, partially because this is not like a stabby death <laughs> thriller, but it's like a grifter and uh, sort of that's vibe in terms of it. So if you are someone who's like, I want something like fun and fast paced, but I don't necessarily want to read about like people dying or like murders and things like that, this might be a good book to pick up. Um, so again, that's called Pretty Things by Janelle Brown. And then what is most likely coming out next week, uh, as far as I could tell, it's still coming out next week. I have Take Me Apart by Sarah Sliga. When the famed photographer Miranda Brand died mysteriously at the height of her career, it w sent shockwaves through Colinas, California. Decades later, old wounds are reopened when her son Theo hires the ex-journalist Kate Atkin to archive his mother's works and personal effects. As Kate goes through the maze of materials and contends with the rumors and shocking details of Miranda's private life, she pieces together a portrait of a vibrant artist buckling under the pressures of ambition, motherhood, and marriage. 
but Kate has secrets of her own, including a growing attraction to the enigmatic Theo, and when she stumbles across Miranda's diary, her curiosity spirals into a dangerous obsession. Um, So this is a new twisty psychological suspense book. Um, It follows the lives of these two dark and magnetic young women who are whose lives are filled with secrets and lies. Um, And this is supposed this is a debut novel that looks at things like art and illness and power. So if you are into that sort of psychological suspense books, then you can check out Take Me Apart by Sarah Sliga or Sliga, uh, which comes out next week. And then I have The Split by Sharon Bolton. Um, This one takes place in the remote Antarctic island of South Georgia, which is about to send off its last boat of the summer, which signifies safety to resident glaciologist Felicity Lloyd, which... Did not know that was a word or an occupation, but it makes sense. Um, Felicity lives in fear. Fear that her ex-husband, Freddie, will find her even out here. She took a job on this isolated island to hide from him, but now that he's out of prison, having served a term for murder, she knows he won't give up until he finds her. But a doctor delving into the background of Felicity and Freddie's relationship back in Cambridge learns that Felicity has been on edge for a long time, heading to South Georgia himself to try to get to her first is the only way he can think of to help her. So this is a new uh, standalone thriller from Sharon Bolton about a woman on the run. And it has, it's being described as having like really interesting uh, twists that you don't really see coming. So if that sounds of interest to you, again, that's called The Split by Sharon Bolton. And then a really quick just sort of reminder, we talked about this a little bit last week, but If It Bleeds by Stephen King is out now, if case you are a Stephen King fan. Um, this is a collection of novellas. So if, you know, you are also having a hard time like sort of focusing on things, but Potentially a collection of novellas would be nice, but I just wanted to mention since the date got pushed up so much um, that If It Bleeds by Stephen King is out now. I have to say, the I, I think I knew Sharon Bolton was coming out with a new book, but that description, like I've read a couple of Sharon Bolton's books and they are so good, but that one sounds, holy cow, that sounds tense. And I am really excited to read that one. Well, I'll I'll give you a, a brief respite from from talking. <laughs> In terms of what we are currently reading, like I said, it's it's been slow going, but um, I got through the Monster of Florence pretty well. Um, I did last episode when we talked about comfort reads. I mentioned that I was reading The Likeness um, by Tana French. I I finished. I ended up finishing the book after we finished recording, and it was like. The reason why I mention it is because I've read the likeness multiple times, multiple times, and I still ended up staying up till two in the morning to finish the book when I knew how the book ended. Like, there was, there wasn't a surprise there. I knew what, I knew how the book ended, but I, I could not bring myself to put the book down. Like, I think I read, like, almost half of the book in a single sitting. Like I, I laid down in bed and I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll, I don't have that much to go. You know, I'll, I'll just kind of keep reading. And then I'm like, I keep reading. I'm like, oh, I don't have that much left. I'm just going to keep going. And then by the time I put the book down, I looked at the clock. I'm like, two in the morning. Oh my gosh, what did I do? So yeah, it was just one of those things. I'm like, I'm having a hard time reading. And yet I stay up till two in the morning to finish a book I've already read. What is happening here? 
In terms of what I am starting, I am not without books to choose from. Plenty of advanced copies and library books and books that have been sitting on my shelf for years that I have not read yet. Um, so I don't know yet what I will pick up, but I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic that I will be able to find something and get at least a decent chunk of the way through before the next episode. I mean, I think there's still hope. Hopefully this will break you out of your reading slump a little bit and get you back into the groove of things. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, even even just a little bit would be would be nice. And so yeah, it, it was kind of a relief to be able to sit down and be like, wow, yeah, I'm reading like chunks of this book and enjoying it and not wanting to put it down. Like I thought I was going to finish The Monster of Florence in bed last night and pull another 2am reading spree. But then my cat started licking my face and he has really stinky <laughs> breath. And I was like, oh, I got to get up and shower now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm continuing to read up a storm, but, you know, mixing up the genre. So I just have two books to mention really quickly. Um, the first, I read The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. And holy cow, I really enjoyed this book a whole lot. Um, I believe I mentioned this one briefly in the last episode that I was currently reading it. Uh, and I finished it so quickly because I was really, really into it. So I think I mentioned before, too, that I was reading Broken Girls or I read Broken Girls by Simone St. James before, which is why I was like, oh, I'll check out another Simone St. James book because I, you know, enjoyed that one. But I was not expecting to love this one as much as I did. So in Sundown Motel, this one leans more into the sort of horror aspect of it because it or the paranormal, I should say, aspect of it. This one is a ghost story. Um, it there are two different timelines. One of them takes place in the early 1980s and you are following this young girl or not young. She's probably a college age girl named Viv, who basically leaves home and tells her family that she's going to become an actress in New York City. She instead ends up in this small town named Fell, New York, and ends up working the night shift at the Sundown Motel. And so as she's working the night shift, she realizes that, you know, not everything is quite as it seems. And there's some like weird stuff going on. And then one day she goes missing. And then the other storyline takes place in like modern day, it's like 2017. And uh, Viv's basically niece decides that she is going to try to figure out uh, what exactly happened to her aunt Viv. Um, she actually didn't really know anything about her aunt Viv until relatively recently. And her mom like recently passed away and finally told her like that her aunt Viv um, disappeared long ago. And so this girl named Carly basically ends up moving to Fell, New York in order to figure out what exactly is going on. And she also ends up taking the night shift at the Sundown Motel, which still exists. And and yeah, it's this book is really, really well done. I'm generally not someone who does like ghost stories or anything like that. I will say that I am like kind of a baby, but this book really did freak me out. And it's not just like the ghost story stuff. Um, in the 1980s storyline, there's also another mystery uh, that you're kind of following Viv kind of starts to figure out some things that have been happening in this town, some girls who have died or gone missing. And she starts to look into things and it looks like she might start figuring that stuff out. Um, and that has to do with her own disappearance slash possible death question mark, I won't say because it's spoilers. Uh, but and then you're following Carly as she's sort of putting these pieces together as well and trying to figure out whatever happened to her. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed this a lot. There were 
multiple nights where I would basically like start reading in the evenings, like after dinner or whatever. And then I would get to a part that was like so suspenseful and anxious. And I would look up and it'd be like completely dark outside. And like the wind was blowing against the windows. And I'm like, why am I reading this book right now? This is too terrifying for me. But then I would keep reading because I was just so into the book and I needed to know what was going to happen. Um, so yes, if you are someone who enjoys sort of like thrillers with a little bit of like a ghost story thrown into it, I definitely recommend this one. And again, that's called The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. And then the other book, I just wanted to very briefly mention that I read The Boy in the Earth by Fuminori Nakamura. This was actually one that was going to potentially talk about for the episode. But I wanted to mention this briefly because this one isn't quite a mystery or anything like that. So it didn't feel super appropriate to talk about for the episode. But I did want to talk about it just because I've read Fuminori Nakamura's other book, The Gun, which is a little bit more of a suspense crime novel. Um, And this one definitely falls more into the like psychological there's like a level of suspense in there you're basically following this young unnamed taxi driver in Tokyo who has these like really dark thoughts he can't stop like thinking about committing suicide he like purposefully puts himself in really dangerous situations and then like as you continue reading on um it goes like more into his past and why he sort of acts the way that he does. And so it's more of like a psychological or like maybe sociological book. Um, I've seen some places like pitch this as like Taxi Driver, like the Scorsese film combined with Kafka, which I've never seen Taxi Driver, but from what I've seen, I feel like that's might be apt. Um, but yes, if in case you are also like someone who has been interested in Fuminori Nakamura, if you want something that's more of a straight crime story, maybe don't pick this one up. But if you like that sort of like, psychological figuring out what makes a person troubled and then kind of like working through that um then this one might be potentially something to pick up but this one is definitely very different from the gun in that sense um so again that's called the boy in the earth by fuminori nakamura all right so that is our show thank you so much to everyone for listening for show notes head over to bookriot.com slash listen if you enjoyed the podcast definitely leave us a review on apple Podcasts so that way other people can find us and maybe join in our little community of talking about mysteries, thrillers, and true crimes and whatnot. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can find us at redderdead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at A, And I'm on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.